Today on Students Over Systems, we're celebrating education freedom in the Keystone State. Pennsylvania State Senator Kim Ward joins us to discuss Lifeline scholarships and other education opportunities in her state. Welcome to Students Over Systems, a podcast that celebrates education freedom. I'm your host, Jenny Gentles. At Students Over Systems, we talk with the creators, advocates, and beneficiaries of education freedom. And on today's episode, we're focusing on education policy developments in Pennsylvania. For this important conversation, we're joined by Pennsylvania Senate President Pro Tempore Kim Ward, who is the first woman in Pennsylvania history to serve as Senate Pro Tempore and Senate Majority Leader in either the Pennsylvania House or Senate. She's a champion for the welfare of children and youth, and her ready-to-succeed legislation created a successful higher education grant program that helps middle-class families. Senator Ward, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm happy to be here, and I was listening to you saying educational freedom in Pennsylvania. We don't have a lot of that yet. We're working on it, though. We're working on it. Well, this podcast has uh, focused a lot on the history of school choice or education freedom. And so we've talked to governors uh, and former governors and and state legislators who have gotten those uh, programs passed and expanded and and even those who have created universal programs. Uh, But it's important to talk about what's happening in Pennsylvania because you do have school choice in the form of charter schools and in the form of a tax credit program. But there's a really exciting opportunity happening um, this year to to ensure that even more students can benefit from education freedom. And then we have other things to talk about when it comes to education in Pennsylvania. You all have a court case, you have a budget uh, negotiation that seems to be going on forever. And um, looking forward to to delving into that conversation. But let's start with the education freedom in the state. Uh, I understand that more than 70% of voters, um, including a very high percentage of Democrats support scholarship programs in Pennsylvania. And uh, these are programs like this Lifeline Scholarship or Pennsylvania Award for Student Success. So you've got the voters behind you and you have some legislative initiative. Um, Tell us a little bit about that uh, Lifeline Scholarship proposal or or PASS program. So this would really help uh, low-income children, uh, 250% of the poverty level, in the lowest 15% of uh, performing schools. So they're in failing schools and, you know, they are financially, their hardship, their families have a hardship and it would help them get out of the failing schools. You know, when you look at the graduation uh, uh, numbers, so you graduate from some of these public schools and your math proficiency is at eighth grade. Um, 3% uh, the, the students are proficient at the level they should have, that they're graduating from. So it's really important that we help these children. I'm focused on it. My heart's in it. You know, they, they don't have a, uh, they have a harder time having a chance in life. If we can give them the opportunity to take the money and go elsewhere to get out of some of those schools are dangerous. Uh, we're giving them an opportunity to a better opportunity to get a job, to go to college, to go to trade school, to be able to support themselves. You know, we know what happens when students uh, graduate and you you're, you don't have an education level that can get you a job. We know none of that is good. None of it's good for our Commonwealth. 
it's not good for society. So um, I just want to give these babies a, a chance. Just give them an opportunity. Right. And you are talking about the students most in need, the students who are trapped in the bottom 15 percent of underperforming schools, because we, we talk about failing schools a lot right now since the pandemic. It seems like a lot of uh, public schools are failing students, but you've really targeted this proposal to the lowest performing schools. And we know that uh, these schools often don't don't improve. So you're talking about losing a generation of kids not getting an education unless you give them a, a chance. So uh, from what I understand, this is like $100 million in, in scholarship targeted to these uh, students who are most in need. And then the amount of the scholarship is, is uh, varied based on whether or not they have special needs um, as well. Uh, and we see a lot of programs around the country that are expanding to education savings accounts. From my understanding of this past proposal or lifeline scholarships, what it would cover tuition at a, a private school and fees, but also special education expenses. Um, so is, is that something that has been discussed around the program that you're talking about, not just students in needs, but also students who are in these underperforming schools, but also students with special needs? So the students, if they have special needs, the money is much greater yeah. um, that is available to them. And, you know, I, I find it um, interesting that that's not a topic as we try to move forward with this. You know, we just keep getting the door slammed in our face from the other side of the aisle. And, um, well, and historically, uh, there was bipartisan support for school choice in the state. Um, you, you have a, a long history of uh, school choice supporters from, from both parties in the state. And you have a shorter history in that your governor, Governor Shapiro, campaigned uh, on the promise that he believes every child of God deserves a shot here in Pennsylvania. He wants to make sure that every child has a quality education. And specifically, he supported these scholarship proposals. So what's happened since then with Governor Shapiro? Well, he supported them before they actually came into reality, right? Um, he is, well, he says he supports them. He says that the, the the legislature has to work it out and the Democratic House has to approve. So he supports them, but I don't, he says he supports them, but I don't think he supports them wholeheartedly. He will only support them if the Democratic House says he can support them. Instead of using his governorship to um, get the Democrats on board, and he hasn't done that. All right. Well, we definitely have found at Students Over Systems that our conversations with former governors uh, have made it very clear that gubernatorial leadership is really important. Um, and then legislative leadership is is important as well. This is something that you've really stuck um, stuck by uh, throughout the budget negotiations this year. Tell us a little bit more about what's happened with the budget negotiations. A lot of legislative sessions finish up in the spring. Pennsylvania, you're, you're still going. <laughs> so are. where are you in that process? So we sent the general budget in August so that the governor could sign it and schools could be paid and some very, very important nursing homes, some very, very important um, organizations will, would be paid. We are now waiting for the fiscal code. So we sent the fiscal code in August too, but the House has not been back in session. They're supposed to come in next week. We'll see if they do. Um, and it's all political over there. The, the Democrats have a one vote majority. And uh, there was just a special election yesterday. So now they should be in the majority again, but they have to wait for that to get certified. Then another one of their members is going to step down. And then another one of their members is going to step down. This is going to be happening over the next few months. So, you know, they don't come to work 
because they're afraid they're going to lose their majority. And in the, in the meantime, Pennsylvania is the, the citizens are waiting. They're waiting for us to complete everything that we need to complete so that we can pay out emergency services. We can pay out the money that's in the budget, but needs fiscal code language in order for it to be the money to be released. So we're waiting for them to come back. I don't know. We were, Oh, I'm not going to go into the rumors, but we, okay, I will. We were, we heard yesterday that they were now going to make next week a non-voting session. You know, I don't know what they're afraid of. The Democrats are afraid of. They should come back. They have some Republicans, uh, state reps that give them their vote, but they just won't do it. And they just haven't done it. And I don't hear the governor yelling or out there in press conferences or wherever he is asking them to get back. They need to come back to work. So when Governor Shapiro says things like this lifelong scholarship or past proposal is unfinished business, and he's saying, well, it doesn't, it doesn't take money from the, the public schools. He's not then taking that next step to say, let's, let's get this unfinished business done. Let's, let's come back and, and, and vote on this and, and make this happen. Um, no, you'd mentioned a, a couple, uh, legislators, uh, additional legislators might be, might be stepping down. Uh, I've, I've heard that there's a Democratic legislator and, um, his last name is Brown, I believe, who's, All who's men. been. Mm-hmm. Okay, been supportive of, of the program. Um, are you seeing some of these uh, Democratic legislators speak up and express concern about the delays and about the waffling on this? I haven't heard them talk about the delays. Not, I mean, I've heard it from the Republican side. Uh, uh, Representative Almond Brown supports these Lifeline scholarships. He came out publicly. It was very brave of him. But I haven't heard of others coming out publicly in support uh, of this. So, and, and I haven't heard from their caucus at all on the other side of the aisle that they need to get back. I haven't heard it at all. Okay. Not here. <laughs> well, we certainly are talking about uh, their constituents in urban settings, uh, often where these, these um, failing, consistently failing schools and underperforming schools are. Um, and I believe that you all, you all in the Senate have been having hearings and, and other events that provide an opportunity for parents to come forward and share their story and express why they, why they support that. So hopefully that, that can be, um, compelling to them. Well, Let's talk a little bit about what's going on broadly with education in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, demographics are, are shifting, not just in Pennsylvania and other states as well, but you've, um, from what I understand, lost about 7.7% of the public school enrollment in the last 20 or so years. And of course, like um, many areas, public school enrollment took a nosedive during COVID and has stayed lower. But the budget is increasing significantly uh, is there acknowledgement among the teachers unions, among the bureaucrats who run the school districts um, that this is happening, that they have significantly lower enrollment, um, but much higher budgets? No. All we mainly hear from from the uh, teachers unions is we need more money. So, you know, well, we pay, I think, an average of 22000 per student in Pennsylvania, but in some districts, it's as high as 32000 per student, all in, all the money, you know, federal, state, local. If, I, if we give you 34000 a student, how is that going to help? Because it hasn't helped so far. They continually, these schools continually fail. Uh, there are a lot of things that can be done. You know, they, they can consolidate. They can close schools. They, they can do things to save money, but it doesn't, that doesn't happen very often. And um, I just personally can't support continuously 
giving more and more money to something that continues and continues and continues to fail. Right. And, and you have been, you, the state legislature, um, have been giving them continuously more money that uh, you have record high funding. I think it's something like 15.5 billion for 2023. And there was an increase since 2022 of 690 million. But then in 2022, there was an increase of 1.58 billion. So this is kind of a phenomenon of, of never, never enough. People outside Pennsylvania might not know that that per pupil spending that amount that you mentioned, 22,000 is actually quite high compared to the national average. It's over $5,000 more than the national average. And that I think that Pennsylvania ranks maybe something like seventh in the nation for, for funding. So you guys actually are, are doing okay when it comes to, to, or the public system's doing okay as far as receiving funding. Are they saying what they want to use more money for? Do they, they, do the unions and the, and the district bureaucrats communicate what their priorities are for this ever more money? No, it's just, we need more money and it's all about the kids. I think helping kids out of failing, continuously failing schools is helping children. If they want to get out, they should be able to get out. That is helping children. This is about the children. Right. So funding those students rather than continually uh, increasing, massively increasing the budget to to the systems. Do you think that your fellow state legislators, regardless of of party, recognize just how high uh, public school funding is in Pennsylvania compared to the rest of the nation? I wish I could say that that was the case, but I don't think that it is. You know, we have the um, the basic education commission having hearings now. And all you're hearing from some of the legislators is that, you know, we, we have $7 billion. We need more money. So when the court came down, we didn't talk about this shit, but mm-hmm. the court came down and said that we, our basic education funding formula wasn't equal. It, it wasn't good. We need to throw it up. I look at that as a great opportunity to totally revamp our public education system including, and that would include scholarships or vouchers for kids that need to get out. Um, And making sure that we have a, you know, an up to the minute education program here in Pennsylvania. We have an opportunity to do that. Uh, We did not challenge the court's ruling because we want that opportunity to have a clean slate and to start over. However, I do worry a little bit and we are meeting and the basic education um, com- commission is meeting. It's, it's being chaired by Senator Christian Phillips Hill, who's doing an, an, a really good job. She's very, very good. Very, very thorough. Um, if we see things that make sense as we're trying to work through this and the governor sees this makes sense, will he stand up when the Democrats just say we want more money? You know, we're sitting on a rainy day fund. They want our rainy day fund. Well, it's called a rainy day fund. For a reason. We need that rainy day fund because the economy, as you can see, it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. We need to keep that fund where it is. It's still not where it should be. But we've made great strides. Um, and Moody's has uh, raised our, our, our rate as of last, last week because they see us doing what we need to do to make sure we're on a, a good, solid fiscal path in the Commonwealth. And so the rainy fund, rainy day fund is a, a state level fund? Yes. Okay. From what I understand, the districts are sitting on funding as well in reserve. 
and they haven't spent billions that they've received from the federal government in what was considered emergency funding during COVID. It's called ESSER funding. Um, last I saw in August, there was an estimate that there was still $2.9 billion in federal pandemic aid that had yet to be distributed. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they're in the habit in Pennsylvania of always asking for, for funding without acknowledging what's, uh, what's available or spending it wisely. So this court case that, that you mentioned, from, from what I understand, there was a ruling um, that the existing funding formula in Pennsylvania violates the state constitution and a decision that uh, stated that every student needs to receive a meaningful opportunity to succeed. So what is your vision? What, what do you want to have happen to ensure that every student receives a meaningful opportunity to succeed? Well, as we go through and um, try to re- revamp this education system, we will get some good thoughts from um, some of these commissions that are, are meeting. We need to make sure that the things that kids need in school are there, right? We need to make sure that these students, there's accountability and they can actually read and do math on the levels that they're supposed to be doing it. We need to focus on things that, uh, that are going to be very, very helpful to these young children as they get older. How are they going to get a job? Where are the jobs? Are we training our students to do, of course, go to college if they want, but there's more than just a four-year degree and um, to make a good living for your family. So I'd like to see us make sure that, you know, across the board, the, the right things are being taught. I, want to, I would like to make sure that if students are unhappy or, or their school's not working out for them, they can go elsewhere. Uh, there are just some basic things. Now, I know these commissions are going to come out with more detail, but just basically making sure that we are preparing our students. There is no, no reason I can think of that, you know, 3% of eighth graders can do math on that level. There's just no reason for that. So there has to be some accountability. And if they're not being accountable, maybe they don't, maybe they don't get as much funding the next time. Maybe we see what we can do to help them first. And then we help make sure we're helping the students because at the bottom of this whole conversation are the students, are the kids, are the future of our Commonwealth. Right. And you're talking about uh, a longer term vision. You have a history of investing in uh, and in higher education um, opportunities for, for students. So you're not just looking at this from a K-12 perspective. What happens next for these children? What happens with them with employment? What happens with the state as far as being able to, to fill jobs? Let's, before, before we conclude, uh, let's talk about the teachers unions just, just one more time. The Pennsylvania teachers are 12th highest in the nation for for salaries, which I'm sure is something that your colleagues don't hear a lot from the unions. They're actually doing fairly well. The average salary for a classroom teacher in Pennsylvania public schools was uh, close to $75,000 last school year, according to the Pennsylvania Department of Education. Um, but you have some issues when it comes to uh, the funding being carved out from their salaries and, and sent off to, uh, to the pension costs. Um, and so are there any conversations um, out of this court case with the ongoing budget? Um, any any conversations around pension reform and the fact that like maybe we could fund salaries of teachers more if we weren't putting so much money into benefits? So we did pension reform in Pennsylvania, I think about four years ago, 
mm-hmm. four or five years ago uh, to get that boat going in the right direction. And those their pensions were are part of the overall uh, pension program. Um, they do put money into pensions. Those are contracts that were made. You know, we don't make contracts. We don't decide to build buildings. We don't determine salaries. And the teachers are important. We need good teachers. We don't have enough good teachers. But a lot of the things that are are done and the school districts are paying, a lot of it is their own making. It's their own doing. You know, I don't, I never understood why, you know, say a school district could build a Taj Mahal, pay 200, I'm exaggerating, of course, but pay a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money for employees and then say to the state, you owe me half of that. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me. So hopefully this uh, big blank slate will give us an opportunity to discuss all of those issues and to address them and make sure that our education system is one of the, the best in the nation. Wonderful. Well, Senator Ward, thank you so much for talking with us here at Students Over Systems. And thank you for all that you're doing to ensure that every student in Pennsylvania receives a meaningful opportunity to succeed. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for having me. We hope that listeners found today's conversation informative and encouraging. If you enjoyed this episode of Students Over Systems, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to share this episode with your friends. For more information on the Independent Women's Forum's Education Freedom Center, please go to IWF org slash EFC. Thank you for listening to Students Over Systems. And until next time, keep celebrating education freedom and brighter futures.